love it. All right, we're back, and we're half in the bag. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. Jason Lloyd from The Athletic. I got the hookers and blow coming now. But, uh, <laughs> DeQuan brought the alcohol, and I got the hookers and blow. We kid, we kid. We well, Jason did do a column once about uh, Atlanta strip clubs. Yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta strip clubs at the Super Bowl. He's become good friends with some of those That's ladies. Why, listen, whenever players say, we're headed to Atlanta, I, I, I get nervous. Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of bad shit down in Atlanta. Scene. Yeah, but I he did there. a whole column. He did a column about. I, re I remember it. It was an yeah. amazing column. It was great. It, <laughs> it really was so it really good. Because you know why that was so good? If you're inside that culture, like that if culture. you're in the media or if you're a professional athlete, you know exactly what you were writing about. Right. But a lot of the fans have no idea. Yeah. No clue. Yeah. They no have clue. no idea, but they do now. That was wild. Now. It was yeah. one of the wildest stories of my career. Yeah, that was. that's a great example of pulling back the curtain. Okay, um, we're going to change gears a little bit. I think that this is important because the Guardians are playing so well right now. Yeah. And we're all so Brown-centric. Yeah. And we understand that that's what the fans really want to talk about. But, guys, if you're not paying attention right now to what the Guardians are doing, you're missing it. They've won 9 of 11. They just finished a sweep of the Rockies. I think they've won four in a row. But you look at the standings, and now they're five games over 500, 32, 27, and 27. And there's two games behind the Twins. Two games behind the Twins. And there was a lot of talk if this team could even be 500 this year. And I know it's a long year, and they could mm -hmm. still finish below 500. But, Jason, the news yesterday that Major League Baseball has approved David Blitzer as a minority owner for the Guardians. He's going to own somewhere between 25 and 30% with the option to have controlling interest in about seven years, I think. Talk about what that means for our fan base, why we should be excited about that, and what your hopes are for where we're going. Yeah, so it's it's been expected for a while, right? Mm -hmm. We've heard Blitzer's name for a while. Mm -hmm. And so this wasn't so much of a surprise yesterday. And I, I think what the good news for this is, you know, the way it was explained to me a few months ago was, don't expect David to come in and start writing checks to right. cover losses. Like, that's not going to happen. Nope. But his, his acumen is in real estate. And so the plan now is really to develop the land around progressive field. And going back to the lease negotiations, when they were when they were talking about extending the lease, it, I was told by multiple people that was a really big deal to the Dolans was trying to figure out how to monetize the area around Progressive Field, which is difficult because they don't own any of it. Right. And we know the financial limitations of, of this ownership right. group. They're not going to go out and start buying all the buildings. So so how do we figure this out? And Zach Maslow and I at The Athletics like, just canvassed the entire area. And one of the things I said was, you know, when they built this, the garage made a lot of sense. Now it's terrible. Like it's, yeah. it's taken up a lot of really valuable real estate to have this garage. So I think the plan is going to be trying to do something with the garage, peel a couple layers off, whatever, and, and redevelop some of that land around progressive field. So this is a long-term play. This isn't blitzers here. Right. Here's $30 million. Go get Garrett Cole. Or, or but he's got a lot more money than he the Dolan's have. Let me ask you this, though. Yeah. Do you get the sense that he's in this for the profit in the real estate ventures and what surrounds? Or are, do you think, because I'm told he is a major, major baseball guy. Yeah, and they've got, and him and, and Josh Harris comes with him on a lot of these deals. Like, they work together. Harris is the primary owner on, on the 76ers. Right. Josh, to my knowledge, is not part of this deal yet. I wonder if he will come on when the Dolans slide out. Sure. Or at some point, but as of now, Josh is not so part of this. So they are he's, sliding he's, out. He's co-owner. Eventually. Yeah. He's oh, the, wow. He's the co-owner of the 76ers and also, I believe, the Soccer. Devils. The it, New Jersey Devils. Yeah. He's, he's got interest got in soccer, soccer teams. for sure. There's a lot. And I, he's also um, a minority owner in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I didn't even know that. Blitzer That's true. Is? That's, he's the yeah. only person to have at least a minor, minority stake in all, in it, all five. Yeah, five. Sports counting counting yeah. soccer. Yeah. So uh, he, he's well-funded. He, he's, yeah, he, he's got a ton of money. I know. Look, and, and do you remember when we found out that Jimmy Haslam was a, a minority former minority owner of the Steelers? Yeah. We thought, hey, yeah. finally, come on over. Let's yeah. bring the blueprint. And, and it never worked out that way. It's funny. Jimmy told us uh, at the owners' meetings, we were talking to him, and he said, we thought it was easy. You know, like they had Roethlisberger, Kevin Colbert, and Mike Tomlin in the three most important positions. We were being sized for Super Bowl rings before we wrote the equity check. <laughs> yeah. And no, it didn't prepare us. So that doesn't necessarily mean, you know. Yeah. But I, I found it interesting, though, that yeah, he's, yeah. he's also invested in the Steelers. Yeah. What I think is very fascinating about this, and, and this is my hope long term, as, and maybe when Blitzer becomes the eventual owner, is that – we know that the Guardians get good TV ratings. Mm -hmm. 
They always have. I actually don't know for what they are right now, like the last month or so. It's been a little wonky with just the deals and people yeah. can't see the games. Right, I know. It's strange. It's been, but overall, for the past decade, they've Cleveland had traditionally has done fairly very well with their well. local TV ratings. So we know there's, there is interest, especially the older fan base, right? And But a lot of people have stopped going to games because they're like, the team doesn't spend, so why am I going to spend to go to a game? Also, I think the, the name change had a lot to do with this year, why we're seeing such low attendance this year. I, uh, Bull, I know you may not believe this, yeah, but I mean, I've talked to at least four longtime season ticket holders, yeah. and all four of them said, we're out. I mean, and, and so those are season ticket holders. That is the dumbest holders. thing I've ever heard in my life. Listen, it's a personal choice. I hear you. You may not agree with yeah. it, but it's, it's their money. It's their choice. Sure. And I think to ignore that as not being a factor for attendance, I think it's burying your head in the sand. Right, but what? there's nothing you can do at this point. So. Not now. No, right. but I, I just yeah. bring that up as I think the, the lack of spending has been a – that's been a – a deal for 10 years, yes, 15 yeah. years. Yes. But now you've given them another reason not to go to game. Look, this team is competitive. Yeah. And but it's a the, good baseball market. You always bring up the 445 or whatever it was nope. consecutive sellouts. Yet now we sold out one game all year. But even Crazy. when they were a World Series contender, their attendance was terrible. In 16, right? it was, I mean, it was, in, it was way awful. in the bottom half of the league. It, and my hope is that eventually they'll spend, eventually they'll start keeping more of their good players like Jose Ramirez down the line. Right. And that will eventually encourage Jay, do you to think we can more. ever get back to the days of 2 million fans and the, all these consecutive sellouts? Because Cleveland has lost a ton of population. Not, yeah. not just since 95, but if you go back historically, I think about 100 years ago, Cleveland was the third or fourth largest metropolitan area in the United States. Yeah. We're amazing. nowhere near that now. I don't, I don't know that... Baseball will ever hit those numbers in Cleveland again. I think it was a perfect storm of events. The Browns leaving, obviously. The right. Cavs. The Cavs were good, but you know when you talk about the LeBron factor, LeBron created a generation of basketball fans in Cleveland that previously didn't exist. And I, we had an all-star lineup. Yeah, it, yeah, and the lineup was just unbelievable that they had in the late '90s. So I don't know. I've wondered for years if Cleveland can support three teams. How long mm. do we have the economic ability? Sherwin Williams bringing its headquarters downtown, I think, is a really big deal. Right. Uh, and, and we need more of that. We need more companies bringing headquarters and getting tax abatements, whatever, to, to keep jobs downtown, to bring industry downtown, business downtown. That'll help. Uh, but I, I have serious long-term concerns about – but the good thing is, you know, they just extended the lease on Progressive Field. Right. The Browns aren't going anywhere, and the Cavs are committed to uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse with all the renovations they just did. But financially, it's a tough go for Cleveland to support three. So but, I don't think Cleveland will ever see the baseball numbers that we saw in the late 90s. Jason, do you believe that eventually, because of Blitzer, mm -hmm. they will have a consistently higher yeah, payroll? Yeah, I think that's fair. Which yeah, could I, make a difference. They can't a, go lower. Yeah, it's, it's never. I agree, it's never going to be $2 million, But again, but, it's not going to be next year. You know, no, it's not sure. going to be. I think, okay. And I think I made this mistake, too. When John Sherman came in, you could follow where the payroll went up. And where, the, and where the payroll went down when yep. Sherman went in and when he came out. That's exactly right. But the way it was explained to me was it was really more the BAMTEC money that shot it up. Oh, really? And then when the BAMTEC money ran out is when it came back down. So it was really just sort of coincidental that that's when John came in. Because, and I've talked to people in all sports who say, like, listen, being a minority owner, really, it's just an ego stroke. It just gives you a little juice to tell people that you are part owner of a team. But you have no say in decision making. You know, you don't. You're not in part of the meetings of the really important meetings of should we trade this guy? Should we? You're just writing checks. You're just writing checks without so making decisions. Yeah, and it wow. kind of gets you on the other side of the ropes. But that's really it. What I like about this deal, though, is it's structured in such a way where each year he will have more interest. Yeah. Until eventually, seven years from now, he'll have over the threshold of fifty percent, and that's when he can have real impact. But I do think, Jason, that he can still have an immediate impact if, for no other reason. It, it, for him to throw m more money into the payroll scene. When you look at this team, Jay, how many guys is this team away from being able to make a run? Look at where the Braves were last year on August 10th. And nobody on August 10th said they're going to win right. the World Series. Right. This team has the pitching to do well, that. Same thing with the, when the Nationals won the World Series. And the Nationals, they were you're terrible right. That year. And, and so I know from a distance it looks like this is the Yankees and the Mets and a collision course in October. Gosh, it's baseball. Anything can happen. They, I, they absolutely have to be buyers at the deadline. Oh, they, they can, are. They, they cannot be sellers. At they, this, they have nothing to this sell. record. First of all, what well, are they, no, they going to sell? I, I, see, I disagree. I think they have a ton of prospects 
in the system, young, talented guys. Right. I mean, they don't no, have but that he's talking about blue selling. chip. Who yeah, they don't have that selling. Blue chip. We're talking about veterans that you. Yeah, but sell. you could still unload four of these prospects. You know what I'm saying? So well, right, but when you talk about selling at the deadline, you're selling your veterans. Yes, to but, get you, but you, you can yeah. you can be a you you can be a you can not sell without buying. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to be one or the other. I think this year they're going to move some of these pieces. They have to to yeah. get maybe two or three of the missing links because they're clearly missing a bat or two. I think they need two legitimate middle of the lineup bats. I agree I with that. So I've I've talked about this at yeah. nauseum. They're going to be buyers regardless of what the standings look like because of the 40-man roster construction right now. They had to jam 11 prospects onto the 40-man in advance of the Rule 5 draft, right. which baseball didn't even have. Baseball totally screwed Cleveland by not having the Rule 5 draft. And I get it logistically after the lockout. There just wasn't enough time. But, you know, the, the Guardians never would have put John Kenzie Noel on the 40-man. Right had they known there wasn't going to be a Rule 5. They had, they had very few options. But the flip side to that is the fact that there was no Rule 5. A guy like Oscar Gonzalez is still here because True. he probably would have been lost to the Rule 5 draft. So the way that – and I wrote about this last week. To boil this down, and, and there you sort of see it, this is my understanding. This is the infield of the future. This is the, this is their like, thought process like going forward. Base. I don't love him defensively at first He's base. Terrible. Well, he can't. You yeah. can't play him in the outfield. It's no, got to be. Can't. It's it's the outfield experience is over. If Josh Naylor's in Cleveland, he's going to be at first base. Now that's not to say you know they pursued Matt Olson in the offseason. but as we stand now, this is the way it looks going forward. They like Naylor at first. They like Jimenez at second. Uh, Gabriel Arias is as of now. That's how they view their up up the middle is is Jimenez. The that's second a pretty damn good short. infield. That's a pretty if Arias lives up to expectations, right? And we're seeing Jimenez grow into it. And obviously you have Jose at third. Okay, so what's that mean? Well, you have Brian Rocchio in the minors. You have Tyler Freeman in the minors. You have Ahmed Rosario, sort of getting hot a little bit right now. He is finally getting finally playing yeah, better. He doesn't short. have that much trade value. No, but he has more at short than he does in the outfield. That's why they're leaving yes. him at short. Right. If you put him in left field, he has zero trade value. So by keeping him at short, you at least build a little bit of trade value there. And Rosario's probably going to be moved. I would think he'll be moved by the July deadline. And maybe you see Arias is still out. He's rehabbing from a fractured hand. He had Will he be back by July I or think, August? Uh, I think right in that window. Because that makes it even more likely that Rosario's yeah, gone. I think if they can find a good deal for Rosario, I think he's gone. So these are some. And, and Owen Miller's their tricky one because they really like him. He was batting cleanup not that long right, ago. I know. So now they got to figure out a spot for him. They've talked about possibly Oscar using, Gonzalez, too. I mean... It, Gosh, he's 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 getting it done. He's got to be careful though by saying a guy's a definite starter based on a couple of. Well, I don't weeks. look at stats. Yeah, I I really don't, and I don't know that you do either. When yeah. I see a pitcher can be one in five with a six ERA, if he has good stuff, he has good stuff, and he's learning how to pitch at the big league level. Right. The reason I'm excited about Oscar Gonzalez, forget the numbers, forget him. I just look at his at bats. I look at his swings. I look at how he puts the bat on the ball. He hits the all field. I think the guy's a ball player. Yeah, it's weird because the scouting report on Gonzalez was free swinger, mm -hmm. you know, some holes in his swings, but a ton of power. We haven't really seen, haven't the, seen the power. Haven't seen the power, but he's been the exact has is a bunch of singles hitters. Right. So you, you'd like to see him if the So power. it's still so early. Like him and Quan, I don't include in this because we just don't know. Right. There's just, there's just too much unknown. And they are going to make deals. They could go get a pitcher. Like, I, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they go and acquire a starter, but they do need an impact bat. I agree. They have the pieces to get it done. They have to rebalance this 40-man. They know they do. They're under the gun a little bit. You know, I've had conversations with them where they say, yeah, like this year, if we're in this position next year, we're going to have problems just because there's so many prospects. What are they yeah. going to do with Bieber, ultimately? I don't think – I think they trade him. Do you? I, I don't think they trade him this year. Not but, this year. But no. I, I think they could be this winter. I think they trade him this offseason. Well, if you trade him this year, you're kissing any playoff. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, right, right. I don't think the they trade him now. I think they, I think they. it's really possible they move him this winter because if you look at it, you know, they were having conversations with Jose, and if Jose didn't take the deal that was offered to him or if he didn't come way down – they probably he wouldn't be here today. He had two years of control left. Right. Yeah. And they made that mistake with Frankie. Yeah, I was just going to say, what did the Frankie right. experience That's teach exactly the Indians it. moving forward? They still got a decent return. They, they no, they got, did. Not, not, yeah. not, real, not what they could have got but for if, Frankie. Not for what they right. could have got. And had they known a pandemic was coming, yeah, yeah, no, right. they would have yeah. dealt How did they not see that I, coming? I think be, if they can't sign Bieber this offseason, which is unlikely. They're not going to. Then, no, I don't think they are. Then that, he's got to be traded this offseason. The advanced numbers on Shane, as much as people kind of roll their eyes at it, but some of the velocity and 
spin yeah, rate. Yeah, it's not. It's down a little bit. It very I'm a much concerned. There's a lot of people that are that are a little. Yeah. Bit and by the way, the, the bottom line on the lot. First of all, the team is overachieving. I I think. Uh, well, and, let, let's say this. They've been beating a lot of bad teams. They have. Uh, what, so let's, let's see what happens when they go through the American League East. And, and I and, think they're very aware of that. Yeah, they, they are. They are very aware of where they are in this process. And they can compete in their division. Yeah. They can the compete. Yeah, yeah, they can compete with, you know, the middle of the pack. When they know they're when punching way out of their weight class. you get against the Royals and the Tigers. Right. You know, when you're you're going to wins. When you're going against the Yankees and the Blue Jays, and stuff, they know they're punching out of their weight class. So when, right are you, when do you say, all right, I'm going to pay attention? At what, at what point do they have to get to in the standings and what time of the year for you to say, well, I think they're there now. You you should be paying attention yeah. to this team. As now. far as legitimately a contender well, making a playoff, they're gonna yeah they're gonna hang around in this division race all year. And I mean Chicago to me is the most talented team in the division. It's not even close. But they've had a ton of injuries, Crushed a ton of injuries, and they've underachieved. And they've underachieved yeah. for sure. They've underachieved. But you know what the beauty of the baseball is? This is why I love it so much. Yeah. In the NBA, if you squeak into the playoffs, you're done. Yeah, yeah. no yeah. chance. Yeah. In the NFL, I mean, I know wild cards have won it, so it's possible for a team. To go nine and seven or but ten if you don't and have seven a quarterback, now, you got no chance. Right, but you and you usually know that. But yeah. I got to tell you, with baseball, anybody can win. Yeah. Anybody can yeah. win, and and the Braves proved that again last year, and they did that without their best player. I mean, they they on August tenth, I believe they were under five hundred. Right, right. So and uh, yeah, nobody yeah, yeah. would have ever imagined that the Braves were going to put together the run they did. Right, particularly when you got to get through the Dodgers yes. and the gauntlet that can be the National League. So just get in, get in and, and give us know. a chance. And that's yep. why you have to add to the lineup because the reality is in terms of what they – we could be all excited about this prospect and that prospect. What we know is to this point, the Indian, the Guardians have not developed hitters. They have not. No. And, and Jose Ramirez is the only player in their lineup that is a proven better than average. Nobody else in their lineup is better than average. And a lot of those guys are not even. Do you agree average. with that, Jay? I, Who's better than average? I, I think they're so young. Right. I'm talking about proving. But here's what I would say in terms of who's their second best player. Developing Jimenez probably. I, I would say Jimenez too. He's an average major leader say, at best. He's 24. No, he's not. He's got so much upside, Bull. His numbers. I'm talking about I'll what they've proven. I will guarantee you that proven. his numbers are definitely in the top half of major league shortstops right now. And because he's so young, and Naylor too. You look at these guys, and you, you remember Wade Boggs didn't make Major League Baseball until he was like 26 years old. Yeah. So if these guys continue to improve, it's hard to say. Well, you know they, they're not developing anybody. Well, but that's oh, it is not hard to say because no, they haven't developed. No, well, the current crop of guys are so young. <laughs> I agree. I even throw Gonzalez in that. But list. who have they developed in the last six, seven years? So Nobody. no, so their track record's bad. Yeah. Here's what I think you're going to see I, at some point here in the last five years or so. I think there was an organizational shift in how they scouted and identified talent. And they went, first of all, with pitchers, they went to control and th thought they could teach velocity. Let's find, and Bieber's a perfect example of that. Now, I know the velocity's dropped a little bit this year, right. but find guys who can command and we can teach them speed. And with hitting, you're seeing it with find guys who can put the bat on the ball and will develop the other things. And, and the Dominican, uh, the academy, that really hasn't outside of Jose, which you know he pays for it himself. Sure, they really haven't developed a whole lot of talent out of there. Oscar Gonzalez came out of there. You're seeing that now. Jose Tanya, a guy in the minors, is is getting close. He's one of those guys that um, is on the upper tier, top ten type prospect guy who came through that academy. So you're starting to see George Valera is another one. This wave of guys, I think, I agree with you. To this point, they have not developed hitting right, at we've all. We've heard about other prospects year after year. And, and they have to trade I'm not for saying they're not going to pan out. But their pitcher development yes, has been great at pitcher development. They've been best in the and major And I'm not leagues. saying Jimenez and Naylor at some point might not be better than that. Yeah. I'm just saying what they've proven. No, you're right. And plus, track record. And, and plus, all the hittings, all, all the hitters have come through trade. Right. You know, Jimenez, yes. Naylor, even yes. in going back. In terms of developing homegrown hitters that right. they identify, draft, and develop, obviously Manny Ramirez, Jim right. Tomey, but you're going back 30 years. Yeah, now. yeah right. They're just have, right. outside of Jose. They just haven't had that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, we're gonna go to. We're gonna do King of the Land. King right? of the Land. Yes. So, and as always, King of the Land is sponsored by the Pro Football Hall of Fame Village in conjunction with the USFL. The playoffs are next weekend, so get mm. your tickets for the USFL playoffs and championship in Canton. Mm. On June 25th and July 3rd, okay. now tickets are on sale today at HallOfFameVillage.com. We have Coach Skip Holtz coming up in just a second, but first it is time for King of the Land. And Jason 
is in the throne today. Jason, what sport are you fixing? The as NBA. King of the land. The Ooh. NBA. Okay. Now I have I have two. Am I allowed to give two? One's so, sure. somewhat realistic, okay. and one is coming up on a drunken bender. Things that you think <laughs> of. That one's going to be the better one. Things that you would love to happen but never will. One thing I would love to see as as we broadcast on YouTube, I would love to see an NBA game with no announcers. Put it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Boom mics all over the floor, and all you hear is what's happening on the court. They that tried. Cool. They, they tried that in football once. Remember? No. The announcerless booth. They tried that maybe 15 years ago. I think if you do Didn't it on go over so basketball, well. <laughs> I think it would be better. But yeah. well, as someone who sat courtside for many, many years and many, many big games, yeah. to see the interactions. At first, I was thinking mic up all the players, but that might just be too much. There'd be a lot of. A lot of things said that that's why you got put on YouTube. Right. That's why you got put on YouTube. Right. Yeah, but still, no. I'm saying the league wouldn't want because a lot of kids watch. Yes. And there are a lot of things said on an oh, NBA yeah. court oh, that but the league does not want kids to hear. It is just absolutely fascinating. It is fascinating to be able to sit courtside and the interaction of players to coaches, coaches yelling at players, what they say to each other, yeah. the interaction with the officials. I think it would be fascinating. The one that's just nuts that I've I I love the MTV Rock and Jock games back in the day. Those are fun. I want a four-point shot, but I want it on a 16-foot hoop. A hoop <laughs> 16 feet in the air that will change the dynamic I'd of the game. I'd watch that. So it's not, I mean, Steph can make it from half court, but can he make a 16-foot hey, in the air <laughs> shot? Them Rock and Jock games, the, the, what is it, the Slammers and the Rockers? Or yeah, rockers. those were fun. And uh, they would have like 10-point shots. Yeah, they'd from, have all kinds of cool from rules that made it more interesting. I want a 16-foot rim. 25. Above the ten foot okay. rim, that's worth four. I'm points. not sure that'll ever happen, but I would maybe behind a paywall for the NBA. Mm-hmm. So there's a subscription based fee that way you can try to weed out kids. Yeah, but you're right. When you sit courtside in an NBA game, it is trash, absolutely another product. It's it's a completely different game. Yeah, it it's is. a totally different oh, game. Skip All right, so you mentioned the USFL. So what they're doing is really fascinating. They're they're taking the viewer inside the huddle. Players are miked. The USFL playoffs, I think this is also very interesting. They're kind of doing it like college basketball in the Final Four. There's a predetermined site, and we're lucky enough to have the USFL Final Four right up the road at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton. So they're going to have the two semifinal games next Saturday, and then the championship game will be July 3rd, which is the following weekend. And for those of you that haven't been following the finals, the semifinals will be the Philly Stars against the New Jersey Generals. The Generals are 8-1. and one. And then in the other semifinal game, which is the night game, the 8 o'clock start next Saturday, it's New Orleans, the Breakers, against the Birmingham Stallions, who are also 8-1. and one. And then I mentioned the title game will be July 3rd on Sunday at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium. Right now, we're joined by the coach of the Birmingham Stallions. Not just the coach. He's the head coach. He's the offensive coordinator. He's the general manager. I'm not sure if he's also (laughs) in charge of concessions, but he does it all. Skip Holtz, the coach of the Birmingham Stallions, joins us on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Coach, great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Well, I appreciate you guys having me for sure. And there's no doubt with that introduction, I bit off way more than I can chew. I had no idea what I was getting, no idea what I was getting into until I got here and thought, man, what am I doing? What was I thinking? You what know? What has your first year experience been like? It's been awesome. Absolutely loved it. I mean, it has been, I used the analogy the other day. It's almost like you take 50 players and you're talented players and you say you have to take this football class and if you want to keep playing, you want to continue your career, you got to make an A. So you walk into this meeting room and you pull it out and you say, okay, well, we're in this formation. And I mean, everybody's pulling out notepads, paper, writing feverishly. Coach, now when the linebacker walks out, I mean, they are into it. And I have really enjoyed it. I think it has been a breath of fresh air with coaching for sure. So I have, I've really enjoyed this first year. And some of the new rules and some of the things that USFL has done has certainly made it unique. You know, Coach Holtz, I, I, I always ask the, the uh, you know, some of the coaches on, we had Coach Jeff Fisher on, and I asked him the same question. Uh, in terms of what you're looking to do, what is your goal um, here with the players? A lot of the players want to get to the next level. What was your, what is your main goal and focus uh, in terms of what you would look to accomplish as a coach here in the USFL? 
Well, one of the things I got into college coaching 33 years ago because I love the development side of this game. I love watching the young man come in at 17 years old and leave at 22, watching how he matures as a football player, matures as a student, as a young, as a leader. I enjoyed the development side of college football and always said I didn't want anything to do with pro ball. But when you look at the direction of college football right now, it's with the NIL, with the transfer portal, everybody's recruiting, everybody's players, they're in, they're out. It's no longer the same game that I signed up for 33 years ago. When I sat down and talked with Brian Woods about what this league was all about, uh, that's the one thing that I, I loved about it. What I want is I want to help these young men achieve their goal, whether that is to go play in the NFL, whether that is just because they love the game and they want to play for another two, three, or four years, and they're going to be career USFL guys. Uh, I love the competitive side. I love the balance and the equality and the way that they did the draft. Uh, I just think it's a great league, and I enjoy coaching, and I, I have enjoyed the relationships with the young men the most. Where does that lead? I don't know. I'm not, I didn't get into this with a, man, I'm going to use this as a stepping stone, and this is next. Uh, I've been doing this for a long time, and so right now I'm enjoying what I'm doing. We'll, we'll see what bridges come in front of us as we continue to move forward, but if I end up continuing to do this for another three or four years, it can be very rewarding. Coach, did you have, like going into the season, going into the, the league year, did you have a, a, a level of play that you thought it would be? And is it better? Is it worse? Is it what you thought it would be? Did you not think ahead to like how good the quality of play would be? How does it stack up? No, and, and much better than I expected. And I won't say that in a negative way. Uh, that my expectation wasn't very high. I didn't have any idea what to expect. I mean, in February, we're talking about playing this game in April, and we have a player on our roster. And then we, <laughs> I mean, I didn't have, I didn't know who my quarterback was, running backs. So then you draft a team in March. We bring them in here in March 17th, and you play April, April 17th, and all of a wow. sudden you're looking at it. I've never seen our running backs get tackled. I've never seen uh, our DB. I've never seen our defense tackle anybody. And everybody said, "What do you expect?" I have no idea what to expect. But I'll tell you what, it has been much better than I could have ever imagined. And I say that because a group of young men have come in and they have been diligent. They have been determined. They have been focused. They have the. It is a good product on the field. It doesn't look like it was slapped together and that's a real testament to the coaches that are in this league and the commitment and the focus of the players that have got into it and how bad they want to continue playing and get film to have that opportunity to continue the game. Skip, we've seen these leagues emerge and last a couple of years and then and then fold. So what did, what has to happen this time for the USFS USFL to succeed and survive? Well I think once we hit the seventh game we exceeded any other spring football league going all the way back to the 80s when the USFL did it for three years. Wow. And then the USFL left and kind of went to, they tried to go to the fall model to compete with the NFL. I think one of the unique things that's going to make this work is the involvement of Fox and NBC. I think they're both committed to it. They're both committed to a spring football league. They're not trying to take over the NFL. They're trying to create another platform. There's so many players, the NFL is got great players nobody will dispute that but there's a lot of guys that can play at that level they just don't have an opportunity to continue playing once their college eligibilities are up and this is going to give a, a young man an opportunity to grow and develop and hopefully either get into the nfl one day or play this game professionally and uh, as you go through it these guys are going to make 50 to sixty thousand dollars over a four-month period to have an opportunity to continue to play the game that they love. And so uh, I think it's it, the Fox and NBC understands the niche they want. They are willing to make a commitment to it. And like I said, there has not been another spring league past six games. And so we're in uncharted waters right now when you start talking about what's the offseason going to look like. And uh, I think they've done a great job of putting this model together where everybody was in Birmingham there was no travel. We're all in the hotel together. We're all playing at the same spots. Uh, I think it was really a great model, but I think what's going to be really interesting is in a year or two years when all of a sudden these franchises getting sold out until their home teams. And then I think that's when you're really going to have an opportunity to see this thing get on its feet and take wings and really start 
to sprout. But right now, I think it's all about building the foundation and Fox and NBC and the leaders here in the USFL and Moose Johnson and Brian Woods are doing a great job with it. Skip, the production has been terrific. When you watch the games on NBC and Fox, it, it looks like you're watching an NFL game just in terms of the camera angles you're getting, the commentating that you're getting. It's all, you know, NFL caliber stuff. And then the other stuff, the production elements, the mic'd players, that's what I most love yeah, about cool. it. And, yep. and, yeah. and the, some yep. of the cameras that are on the field while the game is going on, I think that's really added to it. But last week we had Jeff Fisher on, and I proposed to him an idea. I know that this year everything was centrally played in Birmingham. But I think one of the things that's difficult for fans in New Jersey, particularly because they didn't have any home games, is not having a connection with any players on the roster. So I, I pitched to Jeff as a possible idea that each team has to have half of their roster or a number with 30%, 40%, whatever, that come from within a circumference of Birmingham. So in, in your case, it would benefit right. you greatly. You could have a lot of Alabama and Auburn guys. <laughs> so I know you, <laughs> yes, right? I know you like it, but I think so. And I know that Michigan has a former Michigan quarterback, but I think one way to get these fan bases to really care is to give them players that they already have an investment in because they've played regionally college football and we get to know them and their stars and we feel attachments to them. I know there's not a team in Columbus or Cleveland, but if there were, and you were to load that team up with Buckeyes, I think it would have an inherently better chance of succeeding just because the fan base knows who they're dealing with. What do you think of that? I, I would agree with that. I think it certainly is a hook and a tie uh, to bring people in to, into the game. Uh, I know we drafted Bo Scarborough here who played at Alabama, and he's a rock star. I mean, we can't go anywhere without everybody wants to find Bo. Where's Bo? Where's Bo? Just because he has such name recognition and familiarity with the state of Alabama with him playing at Alabama. And so I, I think there's definitely something to what you said for viewership. Uh, as far as the production, the production's off the charts. Somebody told me that for an NFL playoff game, there's like cameras that are on an NFL playing um, a playoff game where we have like 51 cameras. Wow. I mean, every official's got a helmet cam, players got helmet cams. There's a drone flying by your head when you're standing on the <laughs> sideline going all over. I mean, it's a, it is, the production has been off the charts and it's certainly, you were mentioning having the opportunity to do something on YouTube where everybody's mic'd up and you can hear what's going on on the field. That's kind of what's going on right now. Every play yeah. you call, your offense is, is heard by everybody. I mean, so it's very hard when you go to the line and your quarterback checks and 11 guys go to the right side of the field. It's like, okay, they know what we're doing at this point. Everybody knows our offensive calls at this point. So yeah. maybe the Patriot, we all look at changing some of these. The Patriots got in a lot of trouble yeah. for knowing what the other team was going to do. Hey, hey. Skip, last thing, uh, uh, Lou, uh, your father, Lou, of course, Yes. Uh, does he like? Is he like uh, calling you after every game? Is he breaking down <laughs> film with you? Is he analyzing how you did as, as coach that day? How's what's going on with that? No, see, he he's going to come up to. He'll be up in Canton for the championship game. He oh, had really? a he had a back surgery right before the season started, so he has not been able to be here in Birmingham. But watches every game, and we have the opportunity to talk on the TV. And uh, I value his input when you've got a guy that's been as successful as he has, and been around the game as long as he has it would be it'd be foolish not to sit and listen to his advice so um and he tells me it's like you know what hug your defensive staff and then call me and i'll let you know what i think you know, <laughs> when we play real well on defense but uh he, it's been it's been great and i'm looking forward to him having the opportunity to get up to canton to be able to see our playoff game with uh with new orleans on the 25th i'm going to drop a couple nickels on you skip um to to win the semifinals in the championship and here's why guys skip coached extensively at the collegiate level, UConn, South Florida, I know, and some other stops. He, he coached in 12 BC, uh, uh, BS, the, the big games, B, BSC. BCS. What is, BCS. No, not the BCS. BCS. Was, okay, yeah. BCS, I yeah. guess. 12 bowl games. Yeah. Coach, your record's 8-3 and three in these big games. So I'm betting on you in the semifinals in the championship to win these because whatever your secret formula is for winning these big games – you certainly have figured it out. So I'll throw a couple nickels on Birmingham in both of those games. And one other thing 
Um, I, I was lucky enough to work with your dad at ESPN for more than a decade. Without question, the most colorful, fun guy to talk to out of everybody that was up there. And a quick story. I told him that my father, who I lost in 08, was a huge fan of Lou Holtz in Notre Dame. And he asked me, what was your dad's name? You know, it, this was still when my father was alive. He said, what was your dad's name? I said, it was right. Chuck. The next time he came to campus, he had a book signed to my dad and gave it to my dad. And I, I saw Lou do countless acts of kindness just like that yep. for, for a million different people. Your dad is just an incredible, incredible man. And uh, I just wanted to commend you on, on being lucky to have a father like Lou because one of a kind, absolutely one of a kind. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And a big reason I've been able to have success, teachers like Lou Holtz. That's yep. one of the reasons it doesn't hurt. I've been able to have success on the field for sure. So I have pretty kind words. I agree with you 100%. He's a, he's a great man, and he is sharp as attack mentally. He is. Uh, he's doing fantastic. We just got to keep him going physically uh, and this surgery that he went through. But I appreciate your kind words. Absolutely. Give him our best. And, Coach, good luck uh, in, in the semifinals and then the championship game if you get there and on the next season with at, at the USFL. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Ready to get out of some of this heat. But I, bet. I really like your idea. I really like your idea of having everybody play geographically with us sitting here in the middle of the SEC. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great idea, and I promote it. Uh, just for what it's worth, Fisher just didn't like it at all. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> He's up there in Michigan. Nah, cool. Coach, thanks, thanks so much for joining all us. Right, we appreciate coach. the time. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Have a great day. Really good football coaching. Think about that. J Jason and I were looking at each other when he was saying, we didn't have any players until March 17th, and then we had a game four weeks later. He is the general manager, the That's offensive crazy. coordinator, the head coach. He's doing it all, and it really speaks to his football acumen because you, you gotta they're love, eight and one. You, you got to love football to be doing with it. Woo! Like, yeah. to be out there to just putting that work in. No kidding. And you can tell the passion just come off the, off the page when you talk about football. Really crazy stuff. Um, right. What do you want to do Good here? bet, bad bet. Do you want to do, do good, good bet, bet, bad bet? bet. We're going to do final takes, and we're going to say goodbye. Do you want to break between the two, no, or do you want to no, go right no, through? Okay. No, no, we got nothing to change. All right. Rolling. Beautiful. Shout out to the people, by the way. Over 4,500 live views already There you today. go. I'm not nice. sure if that's a record. Yeah. Absolute smashing record on a Friday. Yeah, that's a big number, And we're just getting started. This is just the beginning. G. Bush said it as his final take Wait till football season. But if you are not on the UCSS train yet, you better hop on quick. Yeah, you better hurry. That boy is taking off to the moon. Yeah, we're going, ASAP. baby. So let's talk a little <laughs> good bet, bad bet. Everyone went two and one yesterday from okay. Polk to Jay, top to bottom. No one picked up any yeah. uh, ground. Steve, let's take the overall standings here in a sec. As it stands, G. Bush still the most wins with 41, but Bull hey, man. is quickly, Ooh, quickly got, catching hey, up. And hey, Jay, you're okay. not far behind. We're really still, close. Nobody under 500 of the six of us. No. I know, so if we were throwing, because we're picking against the spread, obviously. Yeah, so yeah. if we were going to Jack's, if, if betting was legal, we'd, we'd all be doing all right. making money. Do, yeah. do, doing decent. All right, so what are this week's, uh, today's picks? Today's picks, first and foremost, the Guardians, one and a half run underdogs for the first time in a while at, uh, Steve, that's, we may have sent them in the wrong order. We'll start with this one, though. Let's start here. Okay. A&M, one and a half run underdogs versus Oklahoma game one of the College oh, World man. Series. I we flipped the so coin on this one. We went to college I, I flipped the coin on this one. <laughs> I've seen two college <laughs> baseball games softball, all year. Softball, yeah, softball yeah. so much better. I know softball better <laughs> yeah, than yeah, Well, yeah. I had Tennessee to win it all, and when yeah. Notre Dame upset them and knocked them out, I'm like, I don't know what, what well, who's I left. took Oklahoma because they're at home, right? Isn't it? Don't they play Well, it's near, but yeah, it's Tulsa, right? Is that where they, or Omaha? Omaha. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, That's the, the softball is Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Omaha, no, the Nebraska, is Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I've like actually general... been watching some of the softball playoffs. I, yeah, I don't, don't care about the baseball. Softball's yeah. done now, but it was Oklahoma great. Oklahoma was a yeah. train. They were unbelievable. <laughs> I didn't realize it was done. Yeah. <laughs> You've been watching reruns. Though. I was watching a week ago, two weeks ago. <laughs> That's over. Oklahoma's uh, beating teams like 32 to Oh, nothing. They, they just were a machine. Yeah. Like, you got to break them up. Yeah. Their best player, though, is done. He goes to... Break, Break them up. up. Yeah, no, but listen, Break they were up. just, they were, I mean, boat racing everybody they played. Put They'll hit Taylor Cap issues next and year. And they had one fine. girl that was in like three home runs a game. 
And I think she's done now. She's yeah. on she the is. program. She's the all-time home run leader in college football. She is. Yeah, she by is. far. Now, she had an extra year. There was the COVID year. But even without right. that, she surpassed. Absolute Jocelyn beast. Jocelyn Allo's her name. One yes. of the softball players. That you know that. You just lose five cool points. Because co- uh, <laughs> just my old sports director, diehard Oklahoma fan. Okay. So, I had to follow. All right, we're going backwards. So this was the second bet, forward yeah. or backwards. Well, Jose Ramirez recorded an RBI tonight against Kershaw and the Dodgers. Jay, you're the only one who says no. Yeah, I know. And I've usually been on on these yeah. player RBI. But I, yep. I did, Kershaw is such a witch. Uh, <laughs> and I know he'll get an at-bat against at least one other pitcher. But I'm. it's got to come to an end at some point. The guy's averaging an RBI a night. So yeah. I'm, I'm saying tonight he's going to take the – not take the collar, Kershaw but he's not going to get any ribs. It's not – the pitcher he once was. No, of he's course really not. Good, no, but, but he's still very good. Yeah. He's still better than your average pitcher. That he is. Okay. And the last one, which was really the first one, but we did it backwards today. Yeah. Because it's Friday and we can. Yeah. Bull, you're the oh, only I one knew who I was gonna a be good alone bet for the Dodgers this. to yeah. taking I knew uh, I was going to State your case, Bull. Well, listen, I, obviously the Guardians have won a ton of games, they, they, you know, but they've played bad teams. So you're like, well, I knew that you guys would overreact to them playing Kershaw and, oh, they can't beat Kershaw. The way they're playing, I'm not going to bet against them against anybody if they're getting a run it's in the half. Dodgers bowl. It's all right. It's not the it's Bell- not the Rockies. Man. It's not Bellinger, the Royals. Bellinger ain't doing squat. Not the Orioles. Justin Turner's not doing squat. Right, okay. Max Muncy's not doing squat. Let's they, see. You know, I, I, who's pitching? I don't even know for the Guardians. Uh, it's uh, Plesac. Yeah, Plesac oh, is. Oh, that's a bad bet. He yeah, see, bringing some common sense to the panel. They'll win it. They'll win tonight. All right. Um, final takes. I gotta tell you, I want to just say this. Um, we have been all over on our show. Like we, we usually go like two hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah. But after yesterday's show, I challenged McNuggets. Let's let's pick a a target time for each segment. So we can really keep the show focused and on track and try to do it in, in two hours. And so we had target times for every one of our topics. Have you been checking? We've been pretty close. We've and been, we we, added we've a been topic within two minutes of yeah, and we threw one topic. Night, yeah. Yeah. And we still have been within a minute or two. So and we did a shot. So how about yeah. that? We're patting ourselves on the back for finally doing a two hour show <laughs> six weeks in. <laughs> we finally got it. Okay, Bull, you're on the clock. Final takes. You know, uh, Monday, we will not be on the air because it is a, it is a company holiday, a national holiday now. It's Juneteenth, although the, the actual day is Sunday, June 19th. And I, I, I was thinking about this, I, and I grew up in one of the most liberal places in America, in Brooklyn, New York, right? Like, everybody I knew was liberal. And yet, I didn't know anything about Juneteenth as a kid. It wasn't taught in my school. We didn't learn about this at all. This was something that I didn't know about until probably the last decade. And I thought about this and I said, well, why, why is that? Why are we not learning these things in school? Why are kids not learning these things? Why did, why did I learn about the Tulsa race massacre that took place 101 years ago from a TV show called The Watchmen on HBO? I had never heard of this incident. I'm sure most of you listening are like, what's he talking about? The Tulsa race massacre. I don't know what he's talking about. I saw it on Watchmen. I had heard, and then I was looking it up because I was like, wow, that seems pretty specific. I wonder if that really happened. But I didn't know anything about it. We didn't learn anything about it. The Tulsa race massacre. Race massacre. And I'm not going to tell you about it because I want you to go look it up for yourself and learn more about it. And that's the thing, right? What did we learn when we were kids? We learned about the, the bullshit uh, story about Thanksgiving. We, we massacred the people. We didn't break bread with them. We learned that we, we celebrate Columbus Day. Columbus Day. Columbus was a horrible human being and only found the United States by accident. A fraud. He's a fraud. And that's why he called the people Indians because he thought he was going to India. No, West Indies. Right? What do you mean? He thought he was going. He thought he had landed in the West Indies. So right. he landed and said, the, you the, are Indians. The Indians. He had no idea <laughs> no, what he was not. doing. He was a knucklehead. People want to still celebrate that holiday. You know, I, there's a lot of things I don't like about our education system. Uh, the fact we have the wrong priorities in school. The fact that a priority has been made to have teachers carry guns as opposed to teaching kids to critically think, to learn all the history of this country, the good and the bad, I, I think is a huge problem. And I think we're going in the wrong direction in our education system. So I think as parents which I am, my kid is going to learn the true history of this country. And I hope that all parents will do the same thing. And there you go. That's it. That's all I got to say. All right. Yeah. 
I think it's important to talk about what what Juneteenth is. It's the is celebrating the date of the emancipation of, of the end of slavery um, after the Civil War. Uh, I think there's been a conscientious effort to make the Civil War not about slavery. I think we separate things. We separate now. It's it's a faux pas to even talk about slavery. That was that that didn't exist. Well, there are, I'm here to tell people um, that if you don't acknowledge where your past is, you'll never have a future. And for a lot of individuals, it may be rough, it may be tough to hear that certain things happened back in the day, but that's the way to keep from having to go through it again. So when we talk about the emancipation of slavery, we have to come to the conclusion that slavery was a thing. It wasn't make-believe. And this isn't some some Orwell book where where slavery was just an optional thing, despite what singers or rappers or whoever want to say it, it wasn't optional. I think everybody should be forced to watch the movie Roots in in elementary school. You should be forced to watch and learn actually the ins- the, the the crime the the genocide of what slavery was, and even as a as a athlete. To compare certain things to slavery, um, I think there's a knee-jerk reaction to say if if somebody is being you know railroaded or something, or, or you talk about a specific situation with an athlete, we like to kin it to slavery. It's not. Um, I think uh, Juneteenth is a holiday that every single company should be observing. Tegna has it off, but I know for a fact. There are companies that I've worked for. There are companies that I consistently worked for in the past that don't celebrate it. The 4th of July may be Independence Day, but Juneteenth is our Independence Day, and it should be celebrated. Mm. Real Independence Day Real. for a, a, an entire a, an entire culture. Entire. We were talking yesterday, and, and I never thought about this before until you brought this up. I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before in the gym. We were talking about genealogy and, you know, how, how people now are the ancestry.com and all of that. And you've been doing that. And it, it's, it's hard for everybody when you start going back more than 100 years. Mm. You can't go back pre-slavery because there's no record of the existence of many of your people and no records. And not only were records not kept, you said there were real efforts that were going on at the time to make sure yeah. that there was no, yeah. no written history. People, people take consideration of which people take their last name personal. Just realize my last name is not my last name. It's somebody else's last name that used to own my family. That's heavy. That, that's, that is, that's understand wow. that. And you take pride in that. You don't want nobody speaking on yeah. your name. But I, I, you fall into this thing where you do DNA tests and you do anything and you try to do your family tree. My family tree stops in 1820. Yeah. And about everybody, if, you, if you're African-American, that's the yeah. reality of it. You're never going to get back to, hey, I found the exact well, lineage. It just doesn't work no, that way. No. It's, it's hard to find my live, uh, lineage as well as, as no. a Jew from Europe. We were kind of wiped off the record books. Appreciate that and, and, and understand what and that's, you brought up that, you know, some people it's, it's just the inconvenient truth. So they, they right. don't talk about like it never happened. There are, and this blows me away. There is still a, I don't want to say a sizable pop a piece of the population, but there's, there's, Way too many people in this country that will argue that the Holocaust never happened. Yeah, it's, We're talking six people million throw, people walked people, to their death in gas chambers, and there's yeah. so much proof that that happened. And, and people are like, no, it never took and place. And like G said, with throwing around the word slavery, I think people are throwing around uh, the word Nazi a little too You know too what? Easy. Whenever yeah, I hear yep. Yep. Hitler invoked yep. or someone compared Despicable. to Hitler yep. or Nazism or yep. this Mm-mm. is slavery, yeah. it turns my stomach and they yeah. lose me in the instant That's they ridiculous. make that comparison yeah. Yeah. because it that diminishes what two different sets of people right. had to live and die through in many cases. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, people, please think twice before you ever compare anything to Nazism or slavery, yeah. but the great part we haven't about seen it, anything like that. The great part about it is it's a celebration because you got a Jewish guy and a black guy, 
practice, doing this every single day. The black woman over here doing this every day, every single day. You get an opportunity in America. We, it ain't perfect, but it sure beats a lot of other places, right? Absolutely. I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and we're glad. Jason, now we've thrown all that heavy stuff at you. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen, listen, I'm glad that he's a yeah. buffer. Between, wait until you see the yeah. behind yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. I am so glad right now that you're here, Jason. He was like, damn, what the hell yeah. I walk into? Live up to that. Well, bro. all right. Uh, happy Father's Day, everybody. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it is Father's Day weekend, and I just, I wanted to take a moment to, uh, I lost my dad in 2018. I was actually, it was during a Cavs game, and my wife called me and said, uh, it's bad, and I think this is it. And it caught us off guard and didn't see it coming. And uh, my dad just set the example for our family of how to work hard and provide for your family and be there and show up. And I think too many, I'm going to go a little bit heavy, but not as heavy as you guys did. Too many men in our society it just don't show up. Black, white, it doesn't matter. Just show up. Be there for your kids. And I'm so thankful for the dad that I had and the role model that he was. He went to work at Ford every day at a job he hated, mm -hmm. and I can't even imagine how hot it was on days like today and yesterday, mm -hmm. pulling seat covers, working on the assembly line, so that I didn't have to do that, so that I could sit here with you guys. Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't work. Like, we're having fun. I haven't worked hard a day in my life compared to what he went through, and so I'm just so appreciative of that, and happy Father's Day to everyone out there. Put your kids first, man. Make your kids matter. Put them first. And let's be better as men in how we treat women in society and how we look at our children and how we how we act as men. Let's let's be good men. Man. Well said. That is, is very well Great. said. I'm gonna call an audible. I was gonna show Tyvis's swing, yeah. making the not top ten. <laughs> if you don't I will. I'm serious. You, you can do it afterwards. Okay. So so McNuggets, you can <laughs> Now not, you ain't about to get me so on that, dog. Tyvis yesterday on the show showed a he, he first ever golf swing ever. He missed the ball and he threw his club, and it actually was number six on Sports Center's not top ten. Oh, it's crazy. So McNuggets will show that again after this. But after hearing you and you got like, I, I want to be. I don't want to try to be profound, but I want to pay respect to my father too because Jason, yeah. like yours, my dad for thirty years went to a job that he did not love. Yep. And he always told me from the time I was a small child, you are going to college so you can do a job that you love, and when you do, you'll never work. You'll have a job, but you'll never really work. Yep. And my dad made sacrifices. I was one of five. He was a big proponent of education, probably because he was robbed of one himself. Mm. He never had the opportunity to go to college because in his family, you don't go to college, you go to work. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did. And he raised a family of five and did a marvelous job of it. I lost my dad in 08. I've told this story so many times, so I don't know if I've told it on this show, but when my dad was dying in 07, the Indians were up 3-1 in the ALCS, and I was fortunate enough to work for a company in ESPN that knew how important my dad was, and they said, get on the plane and go be with Pops mm. and stay as long as you need to stay. And I watched games 5, 6, and 7, all defeats to the Red Sox, and I knew in that moment I was going to be able to experience a championship with my dad because their last one was in 1964, the year before I was born. And my dad told me as when the game was over and I was fighting back tears, and my dad just stood up with his tired, ravaged body, said, I'm going to go to bed. And I'm like, Dad, you're not even upset right now. And he said, why would I be upset? I just got to watch 27 innings of baseball with my best friend. Wow. And it didn't end the way we wanted it to win, but I'll never forget these That's 27 innings for here and whatever time I get in the afterlife. This was the most important thing to me. And what it taught me was, this was the man that taught me the most important thing in life is to do your best and to win. Yeah. My dad always said, he coached me from biddies all the way up, show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. He was all about the win. Yeah. But in this moment, he was facing his own demise and said, I, I want you to change the way you look at games. Yeah because they're supposed to enhance our life, not to take away from them. And I promise you, in your lifetime, you're going to, an ex you're going to experience a championship with your son, Corey. And I want you to promise me right now that whatever you're doing is going to take a backseat to what's going on in the sports world so you can share that with your son. Because I never got to share it with you. I want you to be with him. And Fast forward eight years, the Cavs are, are going into game seven. 
and ESPN said, do you want to be in Oakland for Game 7 or do you want to be in Cleveland? And I said, I want to be in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. My son was getting ready for the Olympic trials as a long jumper in Rutgers. And the last thing he wanted to do was leave his training. He had just gotten back from the NCAA championships, which were in Oregon. And he had to go back to California. So he didn't really want to fly a lot. And I said, I can't ask him to fly to California. So I asked him to fly to Cleveland. And I knew, guys, this is the weirdest thing. Game 7, as we all know, was on Father's Day. I had the most relaxed calm that I've ever had as a sports fan. There was very little angst. I went on SportsCenter that afternoon and held a replica NBA championship trophy, and I said, tonight we raise this. And I knew it was going to happen that way. I knew because I knew that my dad was up there pulling strings. Mm. And when they won, Corey and I were standing behind the SportsCenter set between uh, Jacobs Field or uh, Progressive Field and, and at the time, Quicken Loans. And we embraced and we hugged and we jumped up and down for 30 seconds. And I swear to everybody that everything I'm worth, my dad was with us. Yeah. I felt him yeah. in that moment. And it's that relationship of father and son that is so precious. Yep. And I'm, I told you about this. I was, read a book recently. Tyrus is a guy. He was um, Snoop Dogg's bodyguard. Mm-hmm. He wrote a, had a passage in the book. It was the most incredible thing that I've ever read on this topic. He was thanking people in, in his life. And he said, and dad, I want to thank you for not being there Mm. because no example was better than the example that he would have set because his dad wasn't present. And he said, had you, had you been in my life just a little, I might've learned how to be a bad dad. Instead, I had to learn on my own how to be a good dad. That was, that really hit me. That was so powerful. So don't ever underestimate the power of being a dad, be there, for everything that you can and I think one of the societal issues that we face is is we don't have enough dads that are involved and and uh, so try to be present 30 seconds to back up on that 2016 game seven three hours before I'm supposed to fly to California for game seven my dad's in the ER and they thought he's gonna die in 2016 and I had I was just I devastated I know what to do he was bleeding internally and they couldn't find it and I walked in his room and he was angry. He said, what are you doing here? He said, go get on the plane. He said, wow. you have a wife and a family. You go to work. Like, I will be fine. You go to work. And I kissed him on his forehead, and I left, and I went and got on the plane, and I went to game seven. Wasn't sure what was going to happen. And he lived and lived a couple more years, and obviously then they won the championship. So I was not with him on – I was in right. I was in Oracle for the It's for incredible the that – But, yeah. And that's exactly what Three hours before my flight, I'm in the hospital room with them. I don't know if I'm supposed to get on this plane and go cover – the biggest game of my career if I'm supposed to sit here with you yeah. and he said absolutely not you get on the plane and you go to work and That's by the way do. take it from two guys who would give years off the back end of our lives to have lunch with our pops right absolutely. now I know I would yep for sure Your dad's still around pick up the phone call him and call him and right tell now. him what he means to you and yep. what he's meant to you and if you're within proximity get in your car drive over go in the house don't tell him why you're there just give him a big hug tell him you love him and tell him thank you do it for me and do it for Jason because I would, I'm not kidding. I say this all the time and people look at me like I'm nuts. I would give years off the back end of my life to spend one more day with my dad. Totally agree. One more day. Totally agree. All right, McNuggets, you get to do the not top 10. Yeah, well, I, I did just text my dad and shout Did out, you? Yeah, and this was a. Love you for it, brother. We have, we have to end a note on a more comical note. Those were all serious. Yeah, we got to go into the weekend on Jay, a high you note. you praised us for getting out at 1 o'clock. I know. So let's take the video. Hey, I was going to do the not top 10, which would have taken 30 seconds. <laughs> and let's just laugh at Tyvis one more time. He made number six on SportsCenter's not top 10. There goes the golf club. Jason, I may not have seen this yet. So, Jason, you I just watched it. I tell you one quick story. This made its rounds on Twitter, and I got texts from people not from Cleveland. This is back in Boston, Texas, Tennessee, going – Ain't that the guy in your show? That's great, man. So now people from all over in the, in the previous history of my life know us because Tyvis is terrible at golf. We love Tyvis, a great person, a great football player, great on the show. My man needs some golf lessons, and I can't wait to go no, to No, he doesn't. Golf. Stay away from golf. It sucks. Well, you know what was funny was Tyvis texted us in a group text yeah. this morning with the video yes. of SportsCenter having it in his not top, top yeah. ten, and I think he said, Y'all, was I really this bad? <laughs> Time is yeah, the answer is yes. Yeah, you were, bro. Here's the important question. They mentioned the show name on the top ten. No, they did not. No they way. just put his Twitter handle. And yeah. that, you know what, Jay? We got to talk to your sports center people about that. That's yeah, very listen. Respectful. I uh, I have been lucky enough to appear in the top ten 
and unlucky enough to appear in the not top 10. So um, I can tell you the only the, the, the way they pick these things is so random and arbitrary. But I'm sure when they saw that, they said, oh, well, this absolutely has to be on there, especially because he was the he was the defensive captain and maybe the MVP that year of Ohio State when they won the title. And man, does he stink at golf. (laughs) And by the way, that wasn't even his club. That was the fact that he does his own club. The man has not gotten his club back. No, because it's 40 yards deep in the woods uh, up at Olentangy or whatever the golf course was they were playing up in um, up in Columbus. All right, we're out of time. See you Tuesday. Uh, thanks so much to DeQuell for bringing us all an unbelievable bottle of, of, of scotch. We, we tried a shot earlier, and it was really good. Thanks to Jason Lloyd for coming uh, in from the uh, Athletic. It's always good to have you in. Everybody have a great weekend. We're back on Tuesday. No show Monday because of Juneteenth. So enjoy the, the weekend. Have a great weekend, and we will see you next Tuesday on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. <laughs>